In our digital world, power is something sometimes taken for granted. And now in our hybrid digital world, many of us that haven't had to worry about keeping the lights on now should be considering how do we keep the lights on? James Hilliard here. Welcome to another episode of the Tech Experience Solutions Podcast brought to you by Connection. A conversation about power and backup starts now. Joining us today, Joe Doherty on board, power and cooling specialist at Connection, and Hillary Watkins, the product marketing specialist for single phase UPS at Vertiv. Joe, I want to turn to you first. I want you to take us back to the last time you lost power. It impacted your ability to work. How did you feel? Actually, it was uh, moved into my new apartment, well, my new tra- my new um, uh, uh, townhouse, and about a year into it, uh, was using my dryer, and all of a sudden, the panel breaker, uh, the breaker panel started smoking. So I decided to kind of shut off my dryer and uh, go to the panel and shut it off as well. Come to find out that the uh, dryer had taken out half of my panel uh, and I had to work the next day uh, completely on battery backup of uh, the UPS that's sitting right next to me actually. How badly were you sweating when that first realization came that oh man there's a major electrical issue here? Sweating bullets, sweating bullets. It definitely made me think of either A was the house going to go up in fire or B uh, could I actually do work that day because it was probably one of my busiest days in a long time. Hillary, what about you? When's the last time you dropped power sometime or maybe the first time it ever happened to you? What were you feeling, thinking? What was that moment like? I will never forget the time that I dropped power here. And it was when we had um, first started working remotely. Everything was going through, you know, basically one little power strip here in my office. And then there goes the power everything's down. I was in the middle of a phone call, couldn't continue doing anything. The people were like, where did she go? Um, So pretty quickly after that, I decided I needed to invest in a UPS. (laughs) It's something probably that a lot of folks listening can, uh, can have the similar feelings. And I had it, it was years and years and years ago. I've been remote 17, 18 years and uh, was setting up for a live webcast and everything goes down. And I am freaking out because I'm a contractor at the time. I'm hoping to get paid. Now I can't do it. Do I have to pay back the customer then for like not being there? And I was freaking out. Swear to you, it was like three minutes before go live. Everything came back up. It was in that moment that I did realize, oh man, I don't have, because now I was at my house 18 years ago. Um, I don't have the backups that I used to have when I worked in an office. And so uh, there is some panic that can set in. So what I want to do, I appreciate you sharing the stories. Let's do this. I want to talk about how things used to be and obviously what we're still doing to protect our offices, but at, at, at the office space that some people are still going into. But I also want to talk about how the world has changed and the things that we have to think about and should be considering for all of the offices now that we find ourselves in because we could have a 200 person company and you could have 200 offices now right because a lot of people are at home so uh that's what we'll we'll be playing about uh hillary at the at the biggest level your observations of the industry are most physical offices meaning where a bunch of people come and work together are most up to speed on their power backup needs and planning or is there still work to be done even in those locations 
I think there's still work to be done. A lot of places will have a backup generator. They will have something that in the, you know, the event of an emergency type situation, it will flip to a backup generator. But in that meantime between going from your utility power to the backup generator, there is some time that you could lose data. So with a UPS, or you know having a, a couple of different ups solutions where it's like a main ups and then smaller ones on desks at that situation you never have to worry about losing any kind of data or any kind of you know if someone's in the middle of something it's just not a question so um i think that there's work to be done for sure and joe what's your observation kind of state of the union for those you know, offices that we still go into how are we set what are some things we need to be considering I think we should definitely be considerate of, of A, where we stand now, and B, the future. Uh, I think where we stand now, people are still playing catch-up to, uh, A, when we changed things over to going remote, but also really being near a UPS or battery backup or your power itself uh, helps a lot of people. However, now even the IT people are now working away from the office as well. So at that point in time, the touching of the actual UPS and hearing its beeps and alarms are not as easy to hear nowadays uh, unless you have your computers uh, and, and, and notifications set up properly, which I, I honestly don't think that people do have it set up that way. We're seeing people on the front lines constantly asking, can you overnight this part? Can you overnight that part? It, it, it's always playing catch up. And in the future, I think it really comes down to keeping an eye on that and being proactive as you move forward especially in this new environment um you you need to be ahead of the game not behind the game these days and that's i'd say it's 50 50 sad to say well what you're bringing up joe is something that i've always observed around this topic for again years and years and years um a hurricane comes through florida obviously we just had one uh i have uh, california fires we have rolling blackouts we have things like that all of a sudden everyone's oh got to back things up let's get the power it's there and then that quickly wanes off a week or two later they're like oh forgetting about that and they're moving on to the next thing and that's that catch-up it still doesn't seem like much has changed there that we we react to an issue but then we don't so how do you joe and then hillary i want to hear your thoughts too how do you talk to teams about saying we, we look Ian, let's just take that example in Florida. It just happened, but we cannot just forget about it now, you know, a couple weeks down the road. We have to stay and make sure that we are planning for all of our locations. How do you get them thinking about it, Joe? I think you hit it right there on the head is, is people are too busy worrying about the next big disaster. Is it Ian? Is it uh, Sandy? Is it any of the big hurricanes that come around? Is it PG&E? Is it, uh, you know, Texas with their grid? You know, we're always trying to play for the next problem why actually play for the problem why don't you set yourself up that when a problem comes along you don't have to chase it if you could keep your maintenance up to schedule now if you could make sure that your gear like your battery backup works now if you could do everything now then when that problem comes you're not chasing your tail you're actually Mm -hmm. there prepared for it and being prepared for the doomsday is not something any of us want to do but sorry this is business you lose hundreds of thousands of dollars every minute, hour, insert time frame here. You lose so much money from being down. Uh, and if you just prepared for it, if you prepared for the worst, even the smallest things are going to be uh, easily overcome. So, Hillary, Joe's wanted us to be preventative. 
He's wanting us to be th- thinking ahead. How dare he? But it's absolutely where we need to be, right? Yes, we need to be proactive. We need to be thinking about those situations because, you know, as Joe mentioned, there was a study that was done by Gartner that said that uh, downtime is about $5,600 per minute of data loss. Um, so that can cost a customer about a million dollars a year. Ultimately, our goal is to say, how much downtime can you afford? The answer is none. No one wants any downtime. No one wants any loss of data. I remember talking with a customer one time who was in California and um, in San Francisco, as a matter of fact, they were doing lots of construction and it wasn't even a natural disaster. It was construction and the harmonics from the machinery and things like that being in the utility grid that were causing issues with their business equipment. So being able to put something in place that cleans that power, that provides a battery backup, that does everything you need it to do prior to that event happening, so you don't even have to worry about it. You just keep on as business as usual. That's the key. Well, let's do this. Let me ask you both. Again, it's easy to think about floods and fires and natural uh, events that impact. Um, Can you both think of the most unique story you've ever heard where power did get disrupted by something. I'm talking ground squirrels. I'm talking rats. I'm talking, uh, you know, a wayward bicycle that goes into a transformer. And I, I don't know, but Hillary, what, what's the weirdest kind of power disruption you've ever heard that's been relayed to you? I think it was that one, mostly because you don't think about just construction. You don't think about general everyday sort of things. You, you know, it's just, what's going on around you it's nothing major and then here's this entire city block that's like without power because of someone doing building construction and it wasn't something that they even had planned for it wasn't something they had even considered and it was just such a an unusual thing that it caused them to really rethink their business um, continuity and how to make sure that everything was working all the time for them. So they didn't have to deal with it again. Joe, strangest disruption. I, I think the funny thing is you brought up the, you know, uh, rats or chipmunks or, or squirrels <laughs> disrupting power. I've been in the electrical industry for well over 30 years. And actually it's sad to say is more of a common thing in our business. But the one in mind that actually recently kind of hit me was uh, down in Boston. They have the MBTA, their, their mass transit. Um, it's down in Boston. Uh, we had a bank of 12 branches that two of their branches, which are literally right above uh, the stops, two, two different stops, were having problems and having downages. And it, it was because the MBTA pulling across the, uh, the grid itself of Boston must have been one of the weaker areas of Boston on the grid side. Uh, but every time an MBTA went uh, by, uh, the branch would drop off and, and lose connectivity to the major, uh, the, the main branch. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's surrounding... Surroundings are the hardest ones to overcome. We can always say that human error is a big problem, like 80 some odd percent of downages, but it's hard to predict the ones that are outside the building, like uh, like MBTA or something like that going by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and there have got to be, and I'm, I'm sure someone listening right now is like, oh yeah, I got you all beat and, and plugs in their <laughs> own. This happened to us. This is where we wish, uh, yes. you know, had that interactive component. I want to hear those. I want to hear those stories too, right? because those, those are, are always the ones where we're like, how do we make this better? Yeah. 
Let's do this. So, okay. So we, we know there are causes. We know that we want to be proactive, right? We've already talked about that. One of the issues that I recall, and again, long time ago when I was actually in an office sharing space with other people, um, but a coworker and I were both plugged in to a local UPS together, right? That was what we were in. And one of the issues I know in terms of our building, and I had asked about this, right? Because we were a brand new building that just come in, cost. It was something that they were a little, because I couldn't have everything plugged in that I wanted to. That's why I was like, can I get one for my desk area? Because we're doing audio recordings and I have all these other equipments and all that. And they're like, nah, that's what we got, cost and everything. Can you talk, maybe Hillary, starting with you, where where should the cost conversation be? Because obviously there's capital expenditure to buy these units, not only to cover the racks and the server rooms and closets and all that, but then personally as well. But is that the conversation we should be having or is there a different cost conversation? I think it does go back to that conversation about how much data can you lose? How much can you afford to lose? Um, really, we have a bit of everything at Vertiv. So anything from a small UPS that just provides very minimal backup time so that you can shut things down up to you know large three-phase UPSs that would empower an entire building. Um, my focus is specifically the single phase type UPSs. So something you might see on your desktop, something you might see in your network rack. Um, and we do have VRLA or lithium ion battery technology, and those do vary. So ultimately looking at total cost of ownership versus how long you plan to keep these in place, how many times you want to change batteries. You know, we don't want you to spend more than you're comfortable spending. However, we want you to make sure that your products are backing up your, your equipment, your information and everything that is most important to you. So that's the key is really what what is the important thing to you, saving your money or saving your data. And the data ultimately at the end of the day can save the money because if you lose the data, especially customer facing things like that, uh, look, your reputation can go out the window and for reputation to go out the window just because you failed to just have a couple battery backups available to people, right? That's a sad kind of story right there. That's not how you want to say, that's how I lost the last company I worked with. And then you're trying to start something else. So, uh, so I, I hear that. Joe, when, when people are evaluating, I guess that it kind of naturally leads to another part of the conversation here is what, how, how do we kind of take in inventory and are all needs the same? Is a call center worker who's now working remotely, and there's a lot of that, are their needs the same as someone that might be doing some software development remotely, as are uh, same needs of a salesperson that travels a lot? Or how, you know, how do we distinguish and look at maybe different personas, if I can use the word, to determine what do we need to invest in and how big, how small, you know, what, what are some of the things that you suggest people consider on that front? I think Hillary had it exactly right is you have to look at, you know, your um, total cost of you being down as an organization. Uh, but I also go into tiers as well as I'm talking with clients. We want to say, okay, someone who is maybe saving a life on one end of the spectrum needs to have that kind of battery backup and that kind of uh, backup as a, as a whole. Is it a generator? Is it an actual uh, true UPS? All the way down to a, sales, a traveling salesperson. You know, I might be able to lose uh, some power. Uh, here at my my home office, but I'm, I'm using notebooks, so those things have batteries in them. Am I, you know, connecting to some way of getting back into the main company is the big question. But 
you've got to kind of almost hear it. Where, where in the level do you have what types of, uh, of battery backup or power generation uh, as an organization? Like example, connection, we might be able to lose, you know, a couple home users here and there. Uh, but when we start looking at things like our e-commerce sites, which come right through our main office here in Merrimack, New Hampshire, if that was to come down, we lose somewhere in the magnitude of about $220,000 of lost revenue for every minute of downtime. So uh, because of all of our e-commerce sites going through one location, if you as an end user cannot connect to that site, you go to the next reseller, as simple as that. So uh, if you look at a tiered uh, approach, you'll actually start seeing which pieces are a necessity to back up and which pieces uh, could go uh, for a little bit without battery backup, let's put it that way. I'd love to know who is talking about backup. Now, as you were just given that story, Joe, it sounds like that that should be or best practice would be falling under uh, the realm of those that think about disaster recovery and continuity and resilience and all that. But are there other people that should be at the table? Love to hear you. And then uh, again, add in Hillary, anyone else that, that should be at the table. But Joe, start with us. I, I love getting these numbers like that $220,000 every minute downtime because that comes from actually our facilities folks. Uh, our facilities folks are the ones that are really coming up with this disaster recovery. What are they doing to keep our organization up and running against things like e- either the grid going dead or uh, heck, someone digging a hole out in the back to put a new lamppost and digging in through a network cable uh, that connects us to the outside world. These, these folks are the ones that really should be at the, at the, at the table uh, to be speaking up front. And then obviously your IT folk. I mean, they're the ones that have to keep the data and do the backups and such like that. So if a server comes down and crashes horribly, all that data is gone. Now they're the ones that have to do the re, uh, you know, rebuilding of that server and bring that data back in and making sure nothing's lost. So you've got two major categories right there. And then, then obviously is going to be the bean counters. We need to make sure that they're in the, in the loop as well to see your, your cost be cost. Am I going to lose $500,000 versus a $50,000 investment for maybe a battery backup or some type of a generator? Uh, so I think three, three main categories, your IT folk and their management, your facilities folk and their management, and then the bean counters to be able to make sure that there's, there's going to be the funds there to be able to make sure that your company's up and running. Hey, we never want too many cooks in the kitchen, but it's also good to have those different perspectives. Hillary, anyone missing from that conversation? Anyone else that you would like to see at the table for most organizations? I think that those, I think he hit the nail on the head with those. Those are the, the main categories that we typically see um, who reach out for solutions, who are looking, you know, have a vested interest in in what is being put into the the facility. You think about the facility managers, they're, they're boots on the ground. They're the ones who are putting together this disaster recovery plan. They're also the ones who are fixing something if it goes wrong. Um, do, do they want to have something where they can set it and forget it? Do they want to have something where they have to change the batteries out? They're making those decisions and then giving those suggestions to the accounting folks and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think that uh, Joe was right on with that. All right. Well, now I'm going to make a suggestion and you can either uh, agree with or disagree and tell me where I'm wrong or say, ah, James, you spot on. Um, I mentioned 200 person organization. We could now have potentially 200 facilities managers because 
I'm a facility manager at my house. And Hillary, you're a facility manager at your house and Joe at his house. How do we know then what to be choosing for our hybrid workers, for those remote workers, right? How do we uh, know how much power is coming out of one wall socket or if they've got that hot tub in the backyard plugged in just drawing way too much amperage and it's going to cause some issues as the uh, you know colder weather hits how do we make those choices at home because i'm assuming you know an apartment downtown new york is different than something rural new hampshire which is different than the bay area where i'm at hillary i think that um first off please no one plug a hot tub into a ups i'm just kidding um <laughs> Um, so I have a desktop UPS here in, in my home office <laughs> and it's, um, I was able to, because I have had the experience of calculating what my total load was going to be that I needed to back up. So we have folks like that at connection, folks like that at Vertiv who are able to take all of your, um, equipment that you're trying to back up, calculate for you what the total wattage requirement is, and then offer a suggestion for that. So you don't have to do that. You at home facility managers do not have to do that on their own. We can help with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty simple to figure that out. And, you know, I have a pretty small one here on my desktop and it gives me about two hours of runtime. I back up my modem and my router and I'm good to go. Joe, what do we look for? Uh, and, and what are some questions that folks should be uh, asking and considering in terms of that distributed workforce? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is having your professionals uh, interject to where you're at. Myself here at Connection, the Hillary's and, and um, uh, the, the folk over in the tech line that, that help us out. Your biggest thing is going to be sizing properly, making sure that we're not putting things like hot tubs or even fans or even the seats, uh, seat heaters. We're coming into winter. I know you don't have this out in California, but out here in New Hampshire, we're we're we're, we're about 52 degrees outside right now. So the under desk heaters start starting up, and the seat the the seat warmer starts starting up. Those are things we do not want to plug into a UPS. But I think as the distributed world we're in now, the big thing is the facilities folk looking at it before they start rolling something out, implementing stuff out. Like you said, James. There's going to be people that are in charge of flipping batteries into these units and, and, and changing them out every three to five years because they have to be changed out. How do we make sure that they do this? One of the biggest horror stories we hear all the time is this, this, this UPS has been beeping for four and a half months and no one raised their hand and say, in this closet behind me, there's this beeping. Can you guys take care of this? It's always when the UPS fails, then they go, well, why wasn't that battery changed out? So mm -hmm. keeping ahead of your cycles, like I mentioned before, but the big parts are is, is making sure that your end users are now doing it as well. If they need to change their battery out every three to five, three to five years, they need to be kept on that schedule. How do we do that? I think that's the biggest challenge. How do we keep them to do that? And how do we monitor this uh, to make sure I'm sending them that battery that needs to be changed out before they have to tell me that the battery needs to be changed out? Well, what you're talking about there is being proactive. Hillary, comment on that. Yeah, the lithium products that we offer now, you know, VRLA is the technology for batteries that we've had for years. We now use lithium iron phosphate, which is the safest lithium ion chemistry on the market. And we expect battery replacements not to occur until eight to 10 years. So the longevity of that and the fact that no one will have to replace that battery saves those facility managers time, saves the home owners who are dealing with them time and they don't have to worry about it. So that's also something to keep in mind that we have those options 
regardless of what your you know price point is or if you're looking for less upfront or longer life with a lower total cost of ownership we've got something for that Connection.com slash Vertiv. That's where you all can get more information. But I want to take a, a moment here before we officially wrap things up to talk about Vertiv because I think that is more of a name that a lot of people are saying, hmm, not sure. Do I remember Vertiv? Have I worked with Vertiv before? So Hillary, talk to me a little bit about the kind of the evolution of Vertiv. And then Joe, I'm going to have you uh, talk about some of the differentiators that you see and why Vertiv should be on that list of, hey, let's talk to them about some of these needs and planning and training of our employees and all that. But Hillary, starting with you. Absolutely. So Vertiv is, a, is not a name that folks are that familiar with only because it has gone through several iterations. Originally Emerson, and then uh, later we purchased the Geist Group and Liebert, and now we are Vertiv. So the Liebert products, the Geist products, E&I Engineering, Avicent, all of those fall under the Vertiv umbrella. So it's something that a lot of people aren't that familiar with. However, uh, they are names that you know in other ways. So they've been around forever and um, we're just looking to to keep spreading the the vertive story so yeah and again again technology that folks are used to but the naming has changed because that is the nature of the world we live in today as well certain combinations of companies and changes and all so uh we want to to surface that a little bit joe kind of probably the final thing i want to touch on here is why what is one of the differentiators you see about the vertive team about what they've been able to do long term in the past where they are now and how they look at the issues that we all as end users deal with when it comes to power and things like that. What is it that stands out? What do you look at on the Vertiv team and say, this is why they should be part of that conversation? I think the biggest challenge here was, you know, having people understand the name Vertiv and really kind of coming to grassroots and making sure that people know that Vertiv just is a newer name. Leap is the names that everybody knows. And it's been an exciting time of now starting to see people understand that Liebert really is one of the, the leaders in the industry. Uh, I remember going on a uh, site visit with someone who says, hey, I got an APC, and he points down at, I think it was like a trip light UPS, or I've got this big Liebert in the corner, and he points at some unknown air conditioner, and it's just everybody knows it as being, um, you know, the, the, the leader in the industry. So the teams that I work with are phenomenal, um, and, and, and working with the Vertiv team nowadays is 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 been just eye awakening with everything that they've been doing for us. So super great company to work with and super great product that they've got out there. Again, folks, connection.com slash Vertiv to get more information. Obviously, if you have your account management team already in place, you can uh, continue this conversation with them. They can pull in the Vertiv team and other folks to really uh, evaluate your specific needs here when looking at UPSs. Again, whether it's in the office, whether it's in all of our home offices now, there's a lot to consider more than than in the past. So uh, again, we want to have that conversation continue. The other thing we would like to have continue is you attending, listening to our Tech Experience Solutions podcast. So whatever you do before you wrap up today, make sure you like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. With that, we are going to wrap things up. I appreciate Hillary and Joe being on board here. Thank you all for joining us. We do look forward to talking to you all down the road. <laughs>